This is Deacon Mary, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. As a part of our Palm Sunday celebration and understanding, I want to talk about hope and suffering. Hope and suffering. Two themes that merge perfectly for us today. Now, it would be obvious, I think, to all of us to say that in this room right now, many of us have Hopes. As a matter of fact, I would be willing to say the room is full of hope. Because for most people, the normal experience for us is to have a day crowded with hope that are either fulfilled or deterred, mostly with little things that go unnoticed by us. But we also have these greater hopes that we focus on for more lasting things and When we encounter one of those hopes, particularly when they become fulfilled, it's quite life-changing. So when we declared as a nation our independence from the rule of the United Kingdom, we had hope for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those larger, those deeper hopes, they control our smaller and more immediate ones. Now, according to some folks... The most basic hope of every person is to have power. Other folks say the most basic folk, uh, the most basic hope revolves around sex. Other people say that our most basic hope or desire is for money. But concerns for money or power or sex can fade when life itself is in question. Then all of our hope for other things is eclipsed by a hope for health, for a good report from the doctor for some more time. And we'll go to extraordinary lengths to save our life or someone else's life that we love. We'll travel to visit doctors. We'll advocate for research. We'll give time to volunteer. We'll lose our own financial security if there's a question about life itself. But there is a time when even that hope fades and there's just one left a hope for a right relationship with God our creator and our judge and it overshadows all the other hopes that we might have when our finances are gone when our health is broken there is still this concern in us we hope that when we walk the way that others have gone before us the Lord will be with us and he will shepherd us through it but what do we do What are we supposed to do when we get to that last and greatest hope and we find it in danger within us? This is where we find the folks in our Bible reading today. They have gone from this triumphal entry, the high that it must have been for all of them to recognize Jesus coming into the city. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for. To the lowest in the history of the world with the actual 
physical death of God. So how hopeless must they have been? It says in our text today, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body. Pilate ordered it given to him. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. Then he rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. There was no hope left. None. It was over. He was dead. They had seen it. He was now in the tomb. It was time to bury him and simply move on. In one sense, their suffering had ended because the tragic drama of the day was over. But they also knew in a much broader sense that their suffering and pain and hopelessness had just begun. Because the story, they believe, was supposed to go so much differently than it had gone. Jesus was the Messiah, right? That was the question of the day. And maybe you've come here today and you're still getting to know Grace Church. And today you are feeling that same kind of hopelessness. You understand what these people in Scripture are feeling. Life hasn't turned out like you thought it would or like you wanted, or like you expected. And you're wondering if anyone can see you, the lost you, the pained you, the hurting you. And if that's the case for you today, please rest assured that there are lots of folks in Scripture who know exactly where you're at. There are lots of folks in this church who know precisely what you're going through. Our Bible... It's filled with stories of real people suffering all kinds of trials and tribulations. And they have recorded their understanding. And today we read Matthew's account of Jesus' end. And it is 100% sober about what suffering is all alike what about and what hopelessness is like. You see... Put yourself in their shoes just for a second. This whole event was incomprehensible to anybody who saw it. They can't believe the events have unfolded the way they have because this wasn't the plan. This wasn't what was supposed to happen. It's like having the winning numbers to a lottery ticket on a lottery ticket. You rush to the store to claim your prize and then you're arrested for making a fake lottery ticket. You have the high of your dreams that finally you're going to be financially secure. Your hopes have been realized. And then the crushing defeat that not only you're not going to get that money, but yet you're accused of a crime as well. You see, Grace Church, like really every church I've ever been in, has lots of people who sometimes feel hopeless, just like the folks in Scripture today. And I say that the people outside the tomb were hopeless, but they had put their hope in something. It wasn't like they'd always been hopeless. They had hoped that a king would rise up and make Israel great again. They had a leader who they believed was going to set the captives free, a man for all mankind who would make everything the way that they wanted it to be. And what they missed so poignantly is that 
That isn't what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to make the religion we wanted, the religion that we expected. That wasn't what he came to do. Don't you see? Don't you see what's happening in this text? That Christianity isn't some kind of magic talisman religion, like a rabbit foot that you have in your back pocket that you rub every time that you want a little bit of good luck. That is not the religion of the Bible. And it's like you think that maybe sometimes if you come to church on a Sunday, God owes you a good rest of the week. You did him a solid, right? You showed up. And now he needs to scratch your back and make things a little bit better throughout the rest of the week. But the guy who was supposed to make us great again, according to the, pipe, the passage that we read just now, died. You see, the truth is, it's a little dangerous that you came to church today. Because now you're hearing the whole truth. Now you're accountable for what you've heard. Now you're actually on the hook. So here's the crucial, crucial thing I want you to know about hope today. Here's what I would love for you to take home about hope and about this story and about this message of Christianity. And it's just this simple. What you hope in is more important than how hard you hope for it. What you hope in is more important than how hard you hope for it. Because you see, sometimes we believe that if I just really want it, if I just gin up enough faith behind something, that'll get it done. That'll show God how, how serious I am. But don't you see the people in Scripture today? The people following Jesus wanted it really bad. Maybe they believed that he was going to come and raise up an army to rule the world. Maybe that they thought that he was just going to call down angels from heaven. And make all their enemies disappear. Maybe they thought something much smaller than that. That he would just make my life a little bit easier. But he didn't do any of those things, did he? He died. In a humiliating, disgraceful, and hopeless manner. So do you, I ask you, what, did, what have you put your hope in? What have you thought was going to save you? Now, there are lots of things that we put our hopes in, lots of false hopes that we think are going to save us, really. And sometimes I've encountered a very painful one for myself personally. Maybe you've encountered this. Sometimes we have lying preachers who tell us that if we have enough faith, we can have the health and wealth that we so desperately want right now. Then we have false hope in something like money, that if I just had enough money, it's going to fix it, whatever it is. And that's tricky, of course, because if we had enough of it in our mind, we'd always want some more, right? But when we don't have enough of it, boy, do we feel it. And so that becomes the image of God that we cling to. Maybe it's your kids. You put your hope in your family or maybe you put your hope in your parents, that your identity is in the family that you've come from. You had good parents. They provided so well for you, so sacrificially, and so you think that's all that matters. But when I die and stand before the Lord, he's not going to look at me and start criticizing my parents for how they parented me or didn't parent me. 
My mom and dad may have affected some of the things that I do, but guess what? I have made all my choices as an individual. And so God's going to judge me according to that. Our identity, our hope, can't be found in any of those things. And truthfully, false hope is its own punishment. It's kind of like waiting on a cold day for a bus that never comes. And maybe you've experienced some of that false hope, and right now you know the coldness of those choices. So here's the good news. If you're a Christian, I can tell you that God has promised that not only will he dash all your false hopes, but he will give you better ones. Not better false hopes, but he will give you a better hope, permanent, fulfilling, the one that your heart longs for. One's based on the truth of his actions and his death. One's set in the reality that revolves around him. Hope based on an actual relationship with this man named Jesus. So today, we of course are one week out from Easter. And I wonder, do you understand what it means to be a Christian? Because you need to. You need to understand what it means to be a Christian, which is a follower of Christ, because it's the only hope you need. It's the only hope that I have to share with you. I have no other comforting words. And if you've identified in any way with the suffering that we've read about today, if you heard part of that story and said, man, I I feel at home in that part of the Bible, then I hope that you take courage in the fact that because of the trials and pains that this world offers, we have a greater truth still up against those. And of course, it's not that being prosperous is bad. We don't seek out the punishment of this world. But if we put our hope in the good times, those false hopes look pretty good. And we let our heart ride on those things which won't always be there. But in God's mercy, suffering teaches us the truth about who our only hope is. It teaches you that truth is the only thing that can be relied on, and it's, in fact, God who's the only one utterly reliable. There's never been trials or adversity so bad that they have defeated the Lord in his faithfulness. He is always good. And always faithful. And so today, I don't know where you might feel tempted to be hopeless. But I do know that when we pray in the midst of our trials, God speaks. He shows you who he is rather than who we want him to be. And I hope that you see that difference. Because God is so likely to prosper his gospel in places that we would never, ever imagine. Think for a second about our brothers and sisters who today in other countries like China are being put in prison because they have professed a faith in Jesus Christ, very much like Daniel in the lion's den. Is the Lord still faithful to his promises to them? I believe so. He is there with them in their imprisonment. And they know a sweetness of his presence because of the way their lives have turned out. 
God loves to cause his gospel to prosper where government opposes it, where drugs and gangs would love to make it seem too dangerous, where ambition and pride would seem to rule and reign and leave no room for people to follow Jesus. All across the world, God will let his glory be established by people who have his name, and it will be for no virtue of our own. Suffering can absolutely make you bitter. Or it can make you understand that it's part of God's plan to refine you as his child to, in fact, make you better, not bitter. But, of course, you get to choose. And I hope that you choose for the better. And if you were here today and saying, thanks, I know all this, but I'm having a really hard time trusting and hoping, let me tell you that when you understand that faith is us being called not to the expectations of a particular result, but trusting in a person, that it's us being called to knowing God and his character and trusting him as wise and good, then we discover hope, the hope that's in the gospel, in its humbleness, in its brokenness, and in its truthfulness. That's what we see today. After Jesus' death, Everyone was confused by what had happened. They were left hurting and uncertain. But that didn't mean they didn't have faith. That didn't mean they didn't trust in God. They knew God. They knew how holy he was, but they were disoriented. That God's grace wouldn't be enough to deal with the severity of what just happened. We all hope every battle that we fight is the last one we have to fight, right? But we can also know the Lord will never forsake us or leave us. The Bible tells us so. And as we allow God to take our circumstances that seem without hope, that seem without help, when we allow him to come and grab us in the midst of those he then turns our face upward towards him and says that he, he is our hope. And in fact, has only, always been our only hope and will continue to be the faithful hope that we so desperately need. And when, for, and when the punishment for iniquity was finally accomplished, when those cries of it is finished were cried upon the cross, and he drank full of the cup of God's wrath against us, there was none left for us to drink. It was all done. And on that day, the conquerors of Jerusalem hung him up for public display as one that should have listened to them. They put him on a cross as a warning to not cross their regime, But God meant for it as a way to establish his reign. Christ took God's wrath on that day so that we might receive his love. Christ was rejected so that we might be accepted. He died so that we might live and have hope forever. So listen to me, please. The Christians who believe this, even those who are in the middle of the ruins of a situation and circumstances that they don't understand still don't lose hope. 
Because our hope is not based on this world, this place, or its circumstances. In fact, this is what Hebrews 11 says. Those who believe this truth are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Christians, you and I live in that unfailing hope of that city built by that God for us. That's what Palm Sunday is about. Let me pray for us. God, we acknowledge that today is a hard day. One filled with triumph, but also tragedy. And so I pray for the folks who maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time are hearing this message and are unsure of their relationship with you. And I pray right now, God, that they would admit that they need to come home to you. And Lord, that they would allow your arms of grace and mercy to enfold them yet again. Lord, there is no better time to become part of your family than right now, right here. And Lord, your word says that when that happens, the angels throw parties, and so I pray that there are angels throwing parties in this minute. And for those of us who are committed to you and yet need to be reminded because of the hopelessness around us of your goodness, help that message to sink deep within us and let it bear fruit, not to be snuffed out by the evils of this world, but that we might share that hope with those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. We are so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.